In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. As we continue in our journey through the season of Lent, we come closer and closer to Good Friday, closer and closer to that day of our salvation, of our redemption, when Christ suffers and dies for us. The Church puts before us on that day a passage from the book of the prophet Isaiah. It's an amazing thing that Centuries before Christ suffered on the cross and died for us, the prophet Isaiah foresees it in this figure of the suffering servant. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Lord, in your passion, you do not just suffer. More than suffering, you love. You suffer in my place, you suffer in my stead. What I deserve as a sinner, you take upon yourself to free me from sin. What a great indication of our Lord's love for us, of his concern for us. This willingness to suffer on our behalf. We see this in people who love each other. We see this, I think, especially in parents Parents who have children who are suffering some disease or some some crisis in their life, they often express that desire. I wish I could suffer instead of my son. I wish it were me who could suffer this disease instead of my son or daughter. There's an equation I found in a, an article somewhere online, and I thought it was very deep. It said, despair equals suffering minus meaning. Despair equals suffering minus meaning. So the more suffering we have in life, but without finding meaning in it or without a meaning to undergo it, well, the more we tend to despair and the more we will despair if we don't find that meaning. And the more meaning we have in life, 
the more suffering we can bear without ever despairing. The more we can find reasons for suffering, reasons for going through difficult times, reasons for times of pain and sorrow, well, the more we can bear it and, and the, less, the less tempted we are to despair. And our Lord on the cross lives this. He doesn't despair because the meaning of his suffering is charity. The meaning of his suffering is love, love of God and love of each one of us. St. Josemaria had a similar thought. He used to say, sacrifice is the touchstone of love. Love equals our willingness to sacrifice, our willingness to suffer. And a touchstone, for those of us who don't know, I actually, at one point I had to look this up to figure out what he was, <laughs> what he was talking about. A touchstone is actually a, a, a kind of rock. Sometimes it's jasper. And it used to be, it used to be used to test the alloy of gold. And so if you had a, a piece of stone or a chunk of rock and you thought that it was gold, there was some gold in it, you would touch it to a touchstone. And the touchstone would change colors to indicate if, if the, um, metal that you had was actually gold. So St. Josemaria is saying that sacrifice is the testing of our love. It's the touchstone of our love. We know that our love is true, is real, by our willingness to sacrifice for what we love. So we can say love equals willingness to sacrifice, willingness to suffer. And that's a great question, Lord. What am I willing to sacrifice for? Lord, what am I willing to suffer for? What should I be willing to sacrifice and suffer for? St. Josemir writes in the furrow, the great Christian revolution has been to convert pain into fruitful suffering and to turn a bad thing into something good. We have deprived the devil of this weapon and with it we can conquer eternity. And what is it that turns something bad into something good? What is it that turns pain into fruitful suffering? It's love. It's, it's what our Lord does with his own death and his own suffering on the cross. Such that whenever I suffer, I'm at a kind of crossroads. Will I despair? Because the devil has convinced me that there is no meaning to this. Will I turn to uh, resentment and bitterness and sadness because I because I, I don't find meaning in it because the devil has convinced me that there's no point to my suffering, that it's the result of some sort of cruel trick of God or cruel, cruel trick of fate? Or will I turn it into love? Will I say, this is worth undergoing? I can suffer this for so-and-so. I can suffer this to love God back. I can suffer this to make up for my sins. Will I find meaning in it? Will I, Lord, like you, turn my suffering into love, into something that helps others, into something that is, that is redemptive? Our Lord in the Gospel talks about the importance of our being willing to 
to sacrifice, to mortify ourselves, to have a spirit of self-denial as a way of being able to help others spiritually. There's a famous scene in the Gospel of Mark. We also find it in the Gospel of Matthew where our Lord is being transfigured on Mount Tabor. And then he comes down from the mountain and he finds this this kind of wild scene where his disciples are arguing with these people and there's this father of a boy there who is is upset and and arguing with his disciples and Jesus comes and says, what's what's going on here? And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And one of the crowd answered, And teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a dumb spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And Jesus asked the father, How long has he had this? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. The disciples might be thinking, Well, maybe we said the wrong words. Or maybe, Lord, we made the wrong gestures. Maybe we didn't put our hands in the right place. Or we didn't look up to heaven at the right time. Or we didn't use the right formula for for exorcism. And Jesus is basically saying, look, it's not something that you didn't do that made the difference here. Rather, it's something that you have not yet become. You have not yet become men of prayer and of sacrifice. And so therefore, God can't work through you yet in the way that he needs to work through you if you're going to help people like this. It's not so much that you didn't do something, but that you are not something yet. Prayer and fasting, prayer and self-denial open us up to God's work. They kind of click us into the same wavelength, the same channel that God is on. And mortification, self-denial is especially powerful. Lord, you are at your most effective, at your most powerful on the cross. The redemption of souls, the salvation of the world takes place on the cross in our Lord's death, in his acceptance of death. 
in his acceptance of suffering. Our Lord preached and the crowds came and went. Our Lord performed miracles and the crowds came and went. Our Lord healed all sorts of people and the crowds came and went. But when he dies for us on the cross, the victory is complete. All of humanity now is redeemed unless we reject that redemption. On the cross, our Lord is totally effective, absolutely powerful, irresistible. And this is something, Lord, that you want us to, that you want us to imitate. If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross every day and follow me. And so many times we've read that, Lord, and so many times we've heard those words. And perhaps the first thing that naturally comes to our mind when we hear that is fear, is apprehension. A daily cross, well, that's a lot of suffering. To deny myself each day, take up a cross each day and follow you. Well, it seems like a life of suffering. That doesn't seem too attractive. But we have to realize that more than a life of suffering, it's a life of love. And unless we love We'll never be happy. We're made for love. We're made in the image and likeness of God, who is love. Unless we're living, think, living for things that are worth the effort of living for, worth the effort of, of taking up our responsibilities day by day, whether we're tired or not. Unless we're living for things that are outside of ourselves and greater than ourselves, we'll never be happy. And yet, Paradoxically, that living for things outside of ourselves and greater than ourselves entails sacrifice. It entails suffering. Lord, we ask you, give us a love of the cross. Or even better, perhaps, Lord, give us a love for you and for others that's real enough, that's authentic enough, that that is pure enough, that we're willing to accept the cross. We're willing to take up the cross whenever it's necessary. Every day, as you say. The great saint, St. John Marie Vianney, suffered a lot when he first got to Ars, that town in which he was the parish priest. And eventually he converted the whole town and was a huge success. But at the beginning, the, the, the people really uh, reacted poorly to his presence. They resisted the changes he was making. They attacked his person. He was calumniated. He was reported to the bishop. There were all sorts of false reports spread about him. And it and it hurt him a lot. He was suffering greatly. But then he tells that he, he asked our Lord during those sufferings for a love of the cross. And he said it made this huge change in the experience. He asked for a love of the cross that that he carry it willingly, that he actually love it. To suffer lovingly, he exclaimed, is to suffer no longer. To flee from the cross is to be crushed beneath its weight. We should pray for a love of the cross. Then it will become sweet. I experienced it myself during four or five years. I was grievously calumniated and contradicted. Oh, I did have crosses. 
almost more than I could bear. Then I started praying for a love of the cross, and I felt happy. I said to myself, truly, there is no happiness but in the cross. And perhaps again, Lord, our first reaction to hearing this story of St. John Rivianet, to thinking about this desire to love the cross, our first reaction perhaps is fear. Lord, that we're afraid of the cross because we're naturally afraid of suffering. And that's understandable. The love of the cross doesn't mean that we're supposed to love pain or suffering for its own sake. A saint is not a masochist. A Christian is not a masochist. Christ is not a masochist. And so we might ask ourselves, well, to love the cross, does that mean that we love suffering? That we, does that mean that we love pain? Well, no, not to start, not, not for its own sake. We're not supposed to simply love to suffer. Am I supposed to love suffering, to love to suffer? No, not put like that. But I am supposed to be willing to suffer in order to love. I shouldn't love to suffer, but I should suffer in order to love. And if I suffer in order to love enough, I realize that my happiness is bound up with my love. With my ability also to suffer for my love. And so if, I, if I'm willing to suffer in order to love, eventually I may even come to love the suffering itself insofar as it's inseparable from my loving. But that takes practice, right? We don't start off saying, oh, I love to suffer. <laughs> right? I love suffering. But we should start off saying, I'm willing to suffer in order to love because I know how, how central and important love is to me and because God is this important to me and the people in my life are this important to me, that I'm willing to suffer for them. And I see that this is God's plan for me. Part of his plan for me is to me to is for me to go through this, this particular difficult period or this pain or this loss in my life. And so therefore I know it has to be good for me. And so I suffer it willingly. And if we do that, if we do that enough, we may come like the saints, because it's connected to our love, to love the suffering. So, Lord Jesus, help me to be daring enough, like St. John Marie Vianney, the cure of ours, to ask you for, for a love of the cross, a love of the cross, which really is, in a certain sense, a love of love, that, that we want to be people who are willing to suffer for the things that are worth suffering for. Men and women, Lord, after your own heart, your own heart that opens itself to suffering as a consequence of your love that suffers in our place on our behalf because you love us that much. St. Josemaria in his Way of the Cross. Little friend, we are sad living the passion of our Lord Jesus. See how lovingly he embraces the cross. Learn from him. Jesus carries the cross for you you carry it for Jesus. But don't drag the cross. Carry it squarely on your shoulder. Because your cross, if you carry it so, will not be just any cross, 
It will be the Holy Cross. Don't bear your cross with resignation. Resignation is not a generous word. Love the cross. When you really love it, your cross will be a cross without a cross. And surely you, like him, will find Mary on the way. A cross without a cross. This is what love does. This is what willingness to suffer does. Does it still hurt? Yes. Is it still painful? Yes. But it doesn't drive us to despair. We find a certain sweetness in it. Paradoxically, we even find a happiness in it. Because we're made to love and we know that. There's a part of our soul that knows that we're made to love. And there's a part of our soul that knows that the only way to love in this in this world of ours, in this fallen world of ours, and given that Christ has redeemed us with his suffering, we know that the only way to love is to be willing to suffer, to be willing to sacrifice for God and for others. Unless the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Words of our Lord from the Gospel of John. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. What is our Lord saying here? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does this mean? Well, in the first place, it means that human life is complicated. Right? Life is complicated and, and life is paradoxical. Christian life is paradoxical. It's tied up with struggle and it's tied up with death. And we might re- we might rebel. We might say, well, why? Why can't we just live? Why can't we just be carefree like the birds seem to be or like any other creature? And our Lord is honest with us. He's saying, look, it's just not in the cards for us. We can't just live. We can't just be. We can't just be carefree. Our existence is a serious task. Your life, your existence is a real project, a real responsibility. And embracing that task, embracing that trust that God has given to each one of us by putting us in charge of our life, by giving us people and things to take care of, embracing that responsibility, living the demands of that life, well, it feels like dying. Living a true life entails, in a certain sense, losing our life. And our Lord is good to us because He's honest with us. He He lets us know there's no escape from this law of life. And any attempt to escape this law of life leads to ruin. It doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. And when we reflect on our own life, and I think when we reflect on the so-called state of the world or the state of society or however we want to say it, we realize that there's so much unnecessary suffering, so much dysfunction, and so much of the sadness and fragility and addiction that we see around us and in us comes from a, a refusal to accept this teaching of our Lord. Perhaps not a refusal, but in many cases, just an ignorance of this, of this teaching. We have a misguided desire, Lord, 
to have heaven on earth. And in that misguided desire to be totally happy here, we refuse to suffer. We run from the cross, and that refusal to suffer only leads to more suffering, because so many times it's a dereliction of duty. It's it's a giving up on things that we're responsible for, that we should take care of, that we that we should face, Lord, with your help, with your with hope in your love for us and your plan for us. And this is the deep meaning of the practices of self-denial and penance in the church. St. Josemaria says, In this life of ours we must expect the cross. Those who do not expect the cross are not Christians, and they will be unable to avoid their own cross, which will drive them to despair. So Lord, help us to see through, to see through the myth of a carefree existence. To see through and topple the false idol of a comfortable life. To stop worshiping, Lord, at the altar of of easy success, comfort, and easygoingness. That affluenza that leads us to, to run away from anything that's unpleasant, anything that that causes us to suffer. Because if there's not, if there's nothing really worth sacrificing and, and, and even dying for in my life, well then, what kind of life do I have? What am I living for? Lord, if there's nothing that, I, that is in my life that's worth suffering for, that's worth sacrificing for, well, Lord, what am I living for? And if we live like that, we end up sacrificing all sorts of other things to, to, to our whims, to our laziness, to our addictions. Lord, how many relationships have I sacrificed to my selfishness? How much help that I could have done more for people in my profession, in my family life, have I sacrificed just because I felt like taking it easy or resting or getting my own way. We can't avoid sacrifice in life. If we love one thing, we sacrifice things for it. And if we love something else, we sacrifice other things for it. So the real question is, where, Lord, is my sacrifice going to be? What's it going to be for? Is it going to be for myself? Is it going to be for my my whims? Is it going to be for my rest? Or is it going to be uh, for you and for others, for their, for their good, and, and in the end, for my, own, for my own true good? Paradox, St. Josemaria says in the way, to live is to die. Why is this true? Whoever saves his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's true in a certain sense because of sin. We can't just live, we can't just be carefree because we're born with a bent self. St. Augustine talks about this as an image of sin, that the soul because of sin is corvatus in se, or incurvatus as se, something like that. <laughs> it's curved in on itself. Our souls are bent inwards towards ourself. Satan's non-servium, Satan's cry of rebellion, I will not serve. 
Adam and Eve's original sin, which affects us, the rebellion against God. Our own sins, Lord, my own sins. All of these have warped us. They've, they've bent us in upon ourselves. Our lives are stunted by sin, stunted by selfishness. And the true life, our life of friendship with God, our life of union with God, entails a bending of ourselves back out. Sin is so close to us, though, that this bending of ourselves back out, this, this reforging ourselves to the right shape, feels like death. And it is a death. It's a death to what St. Saint, Saint Paul calls the old man, our old nature. It's a death to our sinful self-love. He who comes to me, our Lord says, and doesn't hate his own life cannot be my disciple. He who comes to me and doesn't hate his own life cannot be my disciple. And what's that life that we have to hate? Well, it's this fake life of sin. It's this stunted life of being turned in in on ourselves. It's this false life of autonomy. It's this self-centered life. It's the opposite of the fullness of life that our Lord promises us. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, our Lord says in the Gospel of St. John. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And yet, the price for living that life to the full is a willingness to die. (laughs) A willingness to die to our sinfulness, to die to the old man. Unless the grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies It remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Lord, we thank you for for these insights. We thank you for your honesty with us. We thank you for the fullness of life that you are calling us into. And Lord, we ask you for courage. We ask you for courage. We ask you for generosity. We ask you for enough love to be willing to suffer what we need to suffer to live the fullness of life. To be willing, Lord, like you, to suffer for love. We don't love to suffer, but we suffer to love, just like our Lord does on the cross. And Our Lady does the same thing. She lets her heart be be pierced by a sword on Good Friday in order to love her son. She loves him so much that she says, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right here with him to the end. I'm saying yes to his suffering. Yes, even to his death. Our Lady, our mother at the foot of the cross, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.